Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. You know, when I was 18, my brother Tony was 22, and he went to a party, and he saw this girl for the first time, and he fell head over heels in love with this girl, and he wouldn't stop talking about her. And he's telling me, Joe, her eyes, her lips, her hair, her hands, and he's just talking, talking. And that was fine for a couple days. I mean, that's kind of normal. But it went on and on, and a week went by, and I said, Tony, why don't you just ask her out? He said, Joe, he goes, I'm afraid she'll say no. I said, you just, just ask. Who knows what she's going to say? You're a good-looking kid, Tony. I think she'll say yeah to you. And he goes, I'm just afraid. So the second week goes by, and he, he just talks... When Tony is fixated back then, that's all he would talk about. Every second was this girl, and it just was getting to where I couldn't take it. And I said, Tony, come on, either ask her out or be quiet, let it go. And so we get into the third week, and I finally looked at my brother. I said, I'll tell you what, if you're afraid to call her, I'll call her, and I'll tell her I'm you. And uh, I said, that way you you can go in another room. You don't have to have any fear whatsoever. And... uh, Tony said, well, I like that idea, but I want to be in the room and I want to write you a script. So he wrote me a script and he was standing there and I had to put it on speaker. I was perfect with that script. I said, hi, I said, I'm Tony Caminetti and we met at this party and I'd love, I'd love to take you to dinner and get to know you better. And there was zero hesitation. I mean, immediately she said, I'm not interested. And I see my brother Tony just becomes pale, and, and his, you could see his body language, his heart sunk, and I, I went off script, and I said, you know, um, how, would you, how could you ever know unless we go out? I said, go out just one time, and then, and then if you feel like we don't belong together, then that's fine. She says, I don't want to get to know you. I'm not interested. So then I went really off script, because I was 18, and I hadn't met Jesus, and I had a problem with my emotions and controlling them. Uh, which if you've been in church here any length of time, you've heard some stories. So um, I just lit into her. I said, well, you were a mercy date anyway, and I don't think you're that good looking. And, uh, and then I began to cuss and at her, tell her off, and I just let loose. Tony starts running towards me to push the button, the speaker, but I stood up like this, and I held him off until I was finished. And then he finally, he finally did it. He said, I'm going to kill you. You ruined my life. And she's going to tell everybody. And I can't tell them it was you because then they'll say, why did you have your brother call? He said, you just ran out. And you know what we're going to talk about today? The moral of the story? Fear ruined Tony's chances with that girl. If he would have overcame fear, I would have never made the phone call for him. It, it ruined his chances for that girl. And, and we're going to talk about fear today. And you know what fear is going to do in your life? It, fear is going to ruin your chances to, to, to do what God's created you to do and to reach your destiny. So we're going to talk about this thing called fear. As a matter of fact, I want you to walk out today. I want this to become something you understand more clearly than you ever have. And it goes like this. Uh, fear freezes your future. And I'll tell you what, I've had fear freeze my future many times. It's put my future on hold <laughs> many, many, many a months and sometimes years Fear will freeze your future. And I want to talk to you about four fears, and here's my heart. I want to help you identify if that's happening in your life, and I can guarantee you 
It will always challenge you again in the future. Fear will always challenge you. So I want to talk about these four fears. My heart is to help you recognize it and overcome it and say no to it in, 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 the, in the days, the months, and the years to come because fear will freeze your future. It will stop you from reaching your destiny. And last week we taught, and I wanted you to walk out remembering you are a minister. God created you to do something really cool and unique for him. And I don't want that frozen. I don't want that to be stopped. So the first thing we want to talk about is fear of our past. And I have had to deal with this many, many times because we're afraid our past might come out. So we don't want to step forward because if our, fa- our past comes out, uh, then people, people are going to say they're not qualified. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing or we'll be ashamed of what we did in our past. So I can tell you, I've never had a problem. And you can tell by the stories I tell. I have never had a problem with my past before I met Jesus. Because the way I categorize that, I wasn't a Christian, and yeah, that's what, that's what non-Christians do, so big deal. So it, I, I have no fear of my past uh, before that. I was at a restaurant um, Friday night with a couple, my wife and I, and another couple, and this guy came up that is pretty well known in our area, and I went to school with him, and he just began to tell the table how bad I was in school. But they just, this other couple looks at, oh, he tells us that in church. So I was like, I just figure you might as well just put it out there, let people know. But, but listen, listen, listen. I have had failures after I became a Christian, and I've had to deal with fear of the past of those failures, because that, that's different. So here I am. I'm two years old as a Christian. I hadn't gone to Bible school. I was thinking about going to Bible school. Hadn't met my wife. She was still in Chicago. And before I met Jesus, I really struggled with pornography. And for the young people, this is before the internet was invented. This is before digital devices. And you had to buy a book or an eight millimeter film. So when I accepted Christ, I threw all that out. So now I'm a Christian for two years and I'm being tempted. I'm still single. And I had lived a good life for two years. I've stayed away from it. Um, But I broke and I went, drove out of town and I bought some material, brought it home. And I had about a six-week skid where I was just falling into it. Still went to church, and every time I was in church, God, forgive me, I won't do it again, and then I'd do it again. And, uh, and I was just really, I mean, I felt so bad, and I felt so much shame. And after about six weeks, I overcame it, and then I had to deal with fear of the past. And I thought, Lord, if this comes out, I was thinking about applying for Bible school. Lord, they won't accept me in the Bible school. I thought, everybody respects me. Uh, I've been telling them my testimony. God delivered me from this. God delivered me from that. Now they're going to say, oh, yeah, look what you did. You know, I thought, my parents find out. They're going to let me have it. And it froze me. And I thought, I was thinking, maybe I shouldn't go to Bible school. Maybe I just shouldn't go. Because who knows? You know, maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe I'm not called. Maybe God took the calling away. And it was around that time that I saw this scripture for the first time. It was Romans eleven twenty nine, and it reads like this, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Now, the call of God's referring to this. The call of God is just simply what he created you to do for him on the planet. That's all it is. That's your call. And uh, all of us have been uniquely made by God, as we talked last week, to just do specific things in his kingdom, in his local church to help him. And that's our calling. And I love what this says. God's given us gifts. We all have a call, a purpose. And it says it can never be withdrawn. And translated, what God's saying to you and I is I'll never take your gift away from you. 
I'll never take your calling away from you. No matter how bad you blow it, no matter what your past is, says, I don't want you to fear your past because I'm not the one ripping this from you. Now understand, if you or I, if we break the law, we may have to fulfill our calling behind bars. You, you understand that, but it's not, God's not going to pull it from us. And so uh, this set me free, and I came to the place where I realized, you know what? We're all human. We're all going to fall, but here's the cool thing. I don't have to let my past freeze my future, and you don't have to let your past freeze your future. And there's some of you right now, your past has held you frozen, and you feel like you're not worthy, you feel like you're not able, you feel like I don't want that to come, you're dealing with great shame, and you got to remember, we celebrated it in communion, God washed all your sins away by the sacrifice of Jesus, and there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Can we just give a little shout and say thank you God for that? That's important, man, that sets you free. Here's the next one, fear of people. <laughs> this is a big one, fear of people. Experts, here's what experts say. Four to five percent of you in this room, four to five percent of you, do not care what people think about you. And might I say to you, I wish I were you. Because <laughs> I'm not one of the four or five percent. I have to deal with the fear of people. And uh, for some of you that have never dealt with it, you have that personality, man. Again, I wish I were you. But the majority of us in this room, 95, 96% of us, we have to deal with the fear of people. And, and what is it that we deal with? Well, we're worried about what they're going to think about us if we do what God's dealing with us to do, if we follow God with a passion. We're worried about being rejected by people. We're, we're worried about displeasing people. We're worried about people saying, I don't think you're making the right move. I think you should do this. You should do that. And it will literally, fear of people will freeze your future. And you and I don't want that to happen. So listen to this. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And in Bible days, a snare would be a, a device hidden on the ground, covered with you know, branches. You're walking along, and it snaps, and it gets you by the ankle, and it freezes your future. It's, it's just like any kind of fear. It freezes your future. And God says, don't you dare be afraid of what men think. It's going to be a snare. I like this. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And so we just say, Lord, I'm going to just do what you created me to do. And I know you're going to help me walk through it. Even if I mess up, it just doesn't matter. I'm going to follow you. There's a story in the Bible. and It ministered to me so much, I wanted to share it with you. It has to do with Elijah and his fear of Jezebel. And I just want to talk to you. You can read this chapter 19. You can read it this week. It'd be great reading for you, especially after I tell the story. But what's amazing with Jezebel, uh, she was married to the king. She brought idol worship into Israel. Israel had backslidden. As a matter of fact, she had raised up 450 prophets of Baal. She raised all these prophets up. Israel's now doing what God said not to do. They're worshiping idols. And Elijah's the prophet of God, and he's upset about it. So he decides to call the prophets of Baal, 450 against one. He decides to call them out. And here, here's what he said. He said, I'll tell you what, guys, let's build an altar. Let's put some wood on it. Let's put an animal sacrifice on it. You call out to your God and you ask him to bring fire out of heaven and burn it up. And then I'll do it. Let's see whose God can do it. So the prophets of Baal go first and, and they are pleading to their God saying, bring fire out of heaven. Bring fire. And an hour, hour and a half goes by. 
And, and Elijah must have had a sense of humor. I'm looking forward to meeting him because you know what he did? He began to trash talk him. He said, uh, maybe your God's tired and he took a nap. And he's just trash talking him. So then they go to the next level and they had this belief if we cut ourselves, that will invoke our God to move. And so they began to do that. And finally they were worn out. And Elijah said, it's my turn. So he said, dig a ditch. So they dig this big dish. He said, get barrels of water. And they're pouring barrels of water over the altar. And it comes to where the water is up to the sticks. The sticks are soaked. And then there's that animal sacrifice. And then it's like, no fire is going to burn this. And then Elijah says, Lord God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, consume this with fire out of heaven. And it wasn't lightning. It was a literally, literal flame that just came down and it was there for however long, an hour or whatever. It consumed the water. It consumed everything. And the prophets of Baal said, oh, no. And then Elijah had them all put to death because that's what the Jewish Bible said to do with false prophets. And so now Israel's freed. But Jezebel, she said, when I get my hands on that Elijah, I'm going to kill him. And someone told Elijah, Jezebel said she's going to kill you when you see. You know what he did? Now think about it. He just prayed and had fire come out of heaven. You know what he did? He ran like a sissy. I mean, he, he took off. And I know I've been there too. I, I've had a victory and then I've had like, oh no, I can't do this. And you run away. Well, an angel came to him, said, stop, stop. The angel ministered to him. The angel said, God wants to see you at, at the bottom of Mount Horeb. So he brings him to Mount Horeb. And God put on this incredible display, way better than 3D, HD. It was real right in front of him. So he's standing in front of the mountain. And here's the first thing that happened. Um, a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And the Bible says it was so strong that boulders that were connected to the mountain were being ripped off and just thrown everywhere. And just imagine, he's in front of it and he's watching this windstorm destroy a mountain. And then the Bible says this. God was not in the windstorm. And here's what God's trying to show him. Here's what he wants all of us to see. I don't care whether people are blowing hot air at you. I don't care what kind of circumstances are hitting your life. You stand still and you keep going forward and you don't run back unless I'm in it. And I'm not in those distractions. And then he did something else. He had an earthquake split the mountain. And I think that's amazing because it just split the entire mountain. And I kind of feel like it went right between his legs and he's looking down a mile into the earth. And, and then the Bible says, and God was not in the earthquake. And I got to thinking about people stomping their feet, you know, just stomping. I don't want you to do that. You shouldn't do that. And God's saying, I'm not in that. Don't you dare fear people. Don't you dare run for people from people. Don't you dare allow circumstances to cause you to go a different direction. And then next, a fire consumed the mountain. And I just want you to think about it. Um, everything on that mountain, every tree, every brush, every bush was burned up and the rock was seared and burnt. And then the Bible says, and God was not in the fire. And God's saying there's going to be a lot of people at times burning with envy, burning with anger, not happy with what you're doing. And the Bible says God's not in that. And what's God trying to teach this guy? What's he trying to teach us? Man, don't allow fear of people to freeze you. And it didn't just freeze him, it caused him to run and retreat. And God's saying don't let that happen. But here's the next thing. The next thing was a, a whisper. Can you imagine that? A whisper. And the Bible says God was in the whisper. And God spoke to him. You know what God said to him? He said, listen, 
You're complaining that all of Israel is following uh, Jezebel. You're complaining that no one is serving me. He said, there's 7,000 men right back in the city you just ran from. They haven't bowed their knee to, to Jezebel, to Bel. He said, they're my men. And he began to exhort him. And I believe God wanted me to share this today and encourage you because it encouraged me that, you know what? Let's not be moved by the fear of people. Let's not allow people to freeze what we're going to do. Whatever's going on in your life, whoever's speaking negative into your life, it's good to have folks that you run things by, you have some mentors, you have some processors, but don't allow the fear of people to stop you. Here's, here's the third one, and it's the fear of failure. And don't we all have to deal with what if, right? The fear of failure. And uh, I just had my, my grandson, this was a while back, it was the beginning of the summer, he was over in June, and uh, his daddy had just taught him how to ride a, a bike without training wheels, and so he was on his bike in our backyard, and he's just riding, and I'm back there working. Gina's in the house with our granddaughter, Riley, and I had this ravine in my backyard, and it, it, it's, it's not a deep ravine. It's just kind of like this, and, uh, and there's no rocks. It's just all grass, and he's riding around, and he comes up to me and says, Papa, you think I could go down that ravine and up that ravine? I said, oh, you can, Joe. You can become an expert by the end of the day. He goes, you think I can do it? He goes, what if I fall? What if I fall? I said, Joe, you are going to fall, and that's okay. I said, have you fallen on this grass? He said, yeah. I said, did it hurt you? No. I said, that, that's, that's the same grass. It doesn't matter if you fall. You will fall. We always fall when we try something new. But by the end of the day, you can become an expert. So he says, all right, Poppy, all right, Poppy. So he's pedaling. He's going toward the ravine. And just when he gets there, he veers off. <laughs> and he comes over. You sure, Poppy? You sure, Poppy? I won't fall. I said, Joe, you will fall. It doesn't matter. You can do this. So he, he did it three more times and, and, and kept veering off to come to me. But I just kept coaching him, encouraging him. The fourth time, man, he went down into that ravine. But I told him, don't stop pedaling. And he stopped pedaling and he fell. But he got right back up. He said, that didn't hurt, Poppy. And then he went and the second time through, he did it. And then he just did it over and over. And he became an expert. And when Grandma came out, he said, Grandma, watch what I learned. And boom, he had to do it for Grandma. Fear would have froze him from doing that. And I realized a couple years from now or whenever, he would have been able to do that. But it's, it's the same thing it will do to us. The fear of failing will freeze our future. And most of you know this, but I, 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 wanna, I want you to hear it with your ears. I have never had God ask me to do anything or put anything in my heart that he wanted me to do that I didn't have to deal with fear in order to do it. Right now you heard how we're going to launch a church in Boardman. We had our first monthly meeting. We're going to do another monthly meeting in October. And a year ago or so when God really dealt with me to, to do that, I had fear hit me like crazy. I had the fear of failure hit me. I had the fear of taking a financial risk. You're going to take a risk when you do something like that. Probably the greatest fear I had was the fear of my reputation. <laughs> you know, what if it doesn't work? Or, you know, what if it doesn't go the way we're planning on it to go? What if it fails? All of our minds are hit with things like that. And every time I decide I'm going to do something new, that hits me. And it hits all of us. And we just have to come to a place where we say, you know what? I'm not backing down. I'm going to do what God's asked me to do. I like to say it this way. It's better to step out scared than stand still safe. How many of us can agree with that? Because you stand still safe. You're frozen. Your future's frozen. Sometimes, and I think almost every time, I, every time I have to, I have to step out scared. I, I always do. But that's okay. Because if God's dealt with you, you just step out and you'll be amazed at what you can do. Here, here's 
the last one, the fear of failure. And, and this hits each and every one of us. Uh, or feel ap- fear after failure, excuse me. To where after we fail, man, we're, we just felt some pain. It really hurt. And after we fell, man, it's really tough sometimes to get back up and do something. And I, I've used this example for other reasons, and, and I'm not going to say much about it. But about eight years ago, our church went through this church split, and I hadn't done anything, you know, nothing bad, but the church just ended up splitting. We lost about 400 people uh, in a three-year period, and of course it hits your finances as a church. But the thing that hit me the most was just broken relationships. That just really bugged me because you get really close with people, and that really hurts. And it was amazing. We got into our fourth year, and because I'm a guy, I didn't go for any counseling or anything. And uh, so we're, we're at that fourth year, and uh, I was sitting in vision meetings, and my son Joe was in there. He graduated from college. He's on staff. And he began to just throw vision out there. We need to do this, and we should do that. And it was really good vision. But I literally would sit in those meetings. Think about this. I'm the, I'm the lead pastor. And I, I've stepped out many times, but now because of failure, there's a fear that comes after failure. I'm sitting in there, and you know the Pink Panther movies? They're, they're really great. And uh, you know Clouseau? You know his boss? He always caused his boss's eye to twitch like that. I would sit in those meetings, and my eyes would begin to twitch, and I'm kind of like trying to stop them from twitching. But worse than that, my hands would just begin to shake, and my stomach would get sick. And I'd walk out of those meetings, and I'd have to go talk to Gina, and I'd say, Honey, Joe's sharing this incredible vision. It's all great stuff. And I said, I just start to shake. I said, I said the thought of stepping out after having a failure is just driving me crazy. And she looked at me and said, I've told you to get help. Go get some help. You need help. That's not normal. And uh, so I found this Christian psychologist. And uh, it took her a year and a half to fix me. But she fixed me really well. And uh, I got to the place to where now nothing. I, I mean, I'm totally healed from that. And, and what was really embarrassing to me was that she was preaching things to me that I knew and that I taught. But, you know, how many of us know that after we go through the failure, sometimes we can't see things clearly up here? And she just had to help me rearrange how I, how I looked at life. And failure will do that to all of us. After failure, we'll be frozen in time. And I love this scripture. It's Proverbs 24, 16. It says this, don't you know that this good man, or some translations say the righteous person, though you trip him up seven times, will each time rise again. But one calamity is enough to lay you low. You's referring to the unrighteous or the non-God follower. And God really opened us up to me in my counseling sessions and just brought me to a place to where I realized, you know what? I've got to let go of that. And I just got to realize that God, God's the God that picks us up every single time and God's the God that gets us going into new areas. And I want to encourage you in that today. You know what else I learned? I learned that you can let pain become your gain. You know how Arnold used to say, no pain, no gain? You guys, we can, let, we can allow pain to literally become our gain. And here's a really cool scripture. It goes like this, 2 Corinthians 1.3. What a wonderful God we have. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and our trials. Now, why is it that God ministers to you and I after we go through a failure? 
Listen to the next verse. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. And we have these connect groups here at Believers. We have like divorce care and we have celebrate recovery and we have grief recovery for people that have lost someone they love. We have a parent group for parents who have gone through pain because of something their children have done and their hearts are broken. And all of those people, you know what they're doing? They're taking what God ministered to them and they're ministering it to other people. I have this friend, his name's Dr. Sam Chan, and he's a leadership guy. He's like a guru, and he's written tons of leadership books. And he was writing a book a couple years ago called Leadership Pain, and he called Gene and I, and he said, I'm having pastors write chapters, and then after you write your story, he says, I'm going to come back with some, some, some you know, ideas and help connect dots. So he asked us to write a chapter just about what happened in our life so we could help other pastors. And there's like really well-known pastors in that book, so I was a little nervous about that uh, being in the book. But we wrote our story, and you know, I receive calls from all over the country now from pastors who are hurting, going through similar things. And you know what they do? They call me and say, how did you get through it? And you know what I'm able to do? Take the pain I had and minister freedom to them. And God wants to use every single one of you. So don't let failure freeze you Learn from the failure and then use it to set people free in, in the future. Can we all say amen to that? Hey, I want to do one more thing. I, I forgot to bring up a ruler. Can someone give me a ruler? Uh, make sure you get one for yourself too. T grab the, this destiny ruler that's uh, on your seat. Everyone should have one on a seat, so uh, find yours. And I want to I finish up with, with this little exercise, okay? Um, I had an idea, and, and you know what? It's worked great in every service, so... Uh, see how it goes from 0 to 105? This is, has to do with your age. So here's the first thing you have to do, okay? You have to find and come up with it. When do you think you'll go to heaven, okay? I'm picking 90, all right? Uh, didn't want to be too negative. So I, I picked 90, and uh, whatever age you think that is, can, can we rip? Would you just rip it right at that? So I'm ripping mine at 90. And so you can toss this aside because you're going to be in heaven, right? So that, you're not going to live that down here. So just to toss that aside. And uh, now take a look at what you have left, all right? And obviously I'm not going to go full blast from 80 to 90, but I'm still going to do things for God. So uh, take a look at this. Now go back to the zero on your left. And how old are you? Where, wherever you are, that's the life you've lived. So Find your age and rip it at your age, okay? So I'm 57, and hold on to both parts. I'm 57, so I'm ripping at 57. Now hold on to both of them. Now for me, unfortunately, the years I lived are much longer than the years I have left, right? And some of you are going to be the opposite. Um, now, the years you've already lived, I have mine in my left hand. And I want to talk about these years I lived. You know, I may, have, I may have lived for God full blast. I may not have. Some of you may have just met the Lord. So you, you didn't even know Jesus. Through many of my years, I didn't know the Lord. But here's what I want you to remember, okay? You cannot relive these years. The Bible says, forgetting the past, strive towards your destiny, towards your future. You know what else is cool? You know what else the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches us 
that God is able to redeem the time. And I remember years ago, that word redeemed, I didn't know what it meant. And so I looked up the Greek meaning. You know what it means? It means to purchase back. And that really helped me. Because, you know, we all wish we would have done things differently, right? And here's what I got from that, that even if I didn't do real well in the years I lived, God can purchase back the time and help me do it all in the time I have left. And so, guys, this is what we have left, all right? And here's what I'm going to do with this. This will hang on a mirror where I shave, and I'm just going to remind myself I have this many years, and I'm going to accomplish everything God's called me to accomplish. And, and here's what else I'm going to remind myself. I'm not going to allow fear to freeze my future. I'm not going to waste one month. I'm not going to raise one, waste one year accomplishing what God's called me to accomplish. And I don't want you to waste one day and I don't want fear to ever stop you from doing what God's called you to do. So we have this time. All I know is I want to get as much done for God in this time as possible. How about you? Can we just say, God, let us get as much done as possible, man? Let us do it, Lord God. All right, now I have to pray. You ready? Let's pray. Hold, hold this in your hand. Hold, hold the time you have left in your hand, all right? And let's pray. Lord, we take this time we have left in our hands and we dedicate it to you. And Lord, we just ask you, help us never be frozen by fear. And Lord, help us accomplish everything you created us to accomplish in this time. And Lord, if there's anyone here that's dealing with some things like I dealt with where I needed outside help, Lord, I just pray and I ask you, set them free in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for doing that, Lord. Bring them the help they need and let your life set them free, Father. And Lord, we just dedicate ourselves to live this time for you. Now let's just stay in an attitude of prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to give one invitation before I go. And uh, the invitation is this. If you're here and you're not sure of your eternity, you're not sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven or hell, I want you to just walk out being 100% positive, okay? All of us need to go out being 100% positive. And I'm not asking you right now to join our church. I'm not asking you uh, to join a religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. All great things. But you know what? You can do all that and never have met Jesus. Here's what I'm asking you. Can you remember a day in your life where you made it personal with Jesus and you gave Jesus your heart and you said, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm going to follow you. Can you remember that day? I was 19. I, I'll never forget that afternoon when that happened in my life. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, I can't, but Pastor John, I'm ready to do that today. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, uh, the majority of us that have given our hearts to Jesus, would you help them pray? And, and let's just say this after me. If you mean it from your heart, the miracle happens. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died. You were raised from the dead. You're the Savior. I give you my heart, and I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.